Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! What's going on, ball and glove loving Brewer fans? Welcome to the Brewer Trilogy Podcast, which is affiliated with Wisconsin Sports Heroics. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth, and you can find my writing by following, reviewing the Brew and Wisconsin Sports Heroics on Twitter. Today, I have special guest Josh Waldock joining me here. He also writes for the same places I do, so look at that. Reviewing the Brew and Wisconsin Sports Heroics, you can find him there. We are going to recap the sweep of the Padres here today. Very exciting series, very unexpected, if I must say. But before we get into any of that action, Josh, thanks for joining us again. This is your second appearance, and how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I'm always excited to talk Brewers, especially after a uh, sweep like that. I mean, going in, I was hoping Brewers could take two, but got the whole sweep in. Yeah, like I said, it was completely unexpected, and... I was actually watching game three. I went out for a surprise birthday party for one of my coworkers at a bar. And for, let me tell you, for a Wednesday night, the bars in Beaver Dam were very much into the Brewer game. So I was very impressed <laughs> by the crowd today. It, it was great to see. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a good game. Nail biter at the end, but it worked out. I mean, Williams looks like he's back, which is a plus. Yes, I'd love to have the airbender back. I've been talking about the airbender, the firebender all season. I, I like the elements we got going on. Yeah. Here, so. <laughs> all right. Well, as always, we'll quickly get into some game recaps, and then we'll go into our series MVPs and duds. So thinking all the way back here to game one was a 3-1 to one Brewers win. That was a pitcher's duel between Brandon Woodruff and Joe Musgrove. And that was a very exciting game. The game started off with a 10-pitch battle between Woodruff and Jackson Profar, who actually ended up drawing a walk. And then Jake Cronenworth singled to left, and all of a sudden Woodruff is looking at runners on the corner. (laughs) After that, Tatis Jr. hit an RBI ground out, and that ended up being the Padres' only run of the game. Woodruff did have to exhaust himself a little bit, 28 pitches to get out of that first inning. But then the, the first inning run was... It was really only the the only blemish of the game and really the only time that the Brewers have given up first inning runs all season. In fact, the last time they did that was April 4th against the Twins. That was game three of the regular season. So quite incredible stuff there. On the Padres side, Joe Musgrove brought his A game. His breaking slash off-speed stuff was absolutely filthy. All 13 of his strikeouts came on the breaking ball, and that was in seven innings of work. But he did leave two mistake pitches, and they ended up flying out of the yard. That was Luis Sirius and Billy McKinney, who both hit solo homers into right field. In the eighth inning, Tyrone Taylor hit a 440-foot bomb to dead center. That was off of former Brewer Drew Pomeranz, and that's what gave the Brewers a 3-1 lead. 
And the Brewers' bullpen held solid after that. J.P. Feierheisen pitched a scoreless seventh. Brett Suter pitched a five-pitch eighth inning. And then Josh Hader got the save in the ninth. He did allow a walk to Tatis Jr., who, in my opinion, got a few superstar calls on a couple close pitches in the zone, but it actually kind of looked like Josh Hader was trying to pitch around him at the same time. Uh, But regardless, the Brewers got the win in Game 1. Game 2 was a 6-0 W, and things really didn't get interesting until the third inning. The Brewers put up five runs in that inning. Billy McKinney started off with a solo homer, his second homer in as many days. And then Travis Shaw added to his early season RBI totals. He had 15 RBIs at that time, with 13 of them coming in innings one through three so far this season. He had two runs scoring on a double in that third inning. Narvaez singled homer run, or singled two runs, excuse me. Um, In the fourth inning, Corbin Burns finally allowed his first hit after tying the first 10 Padres. Uh, Jackson Profar worked a full count uh, before hitting a bloop single. That was the only hit, and he was a pesky hitter for him all season. Then Eric Hosmer reached on an infield single, but Profar is able to advance the third on the play, so he had runners on the corners. Will Myers then hit a frozen rope into left center, and Billy McKinney made probably the catch of the year so far, saving likely two runs from scoring as he laid completely out for a diving catch in left field. In the fifth inning, Padres made Burns work again. He got into a bases loaded jam with just one out, but thankfully got Trent Grisham out uh, due to him un- being unable to check his swing and then got Jerkson Profar to ground out. And after that, I thought for sure Corbin Burns' day was done, but he came back out for the sixth inning, worked a 1-2-3-6, ended his night with 10 strikeouts, um, which lowered his season ERA to .37, 40 strikeouts, Zero walks. Historical stuff there. Brewers win game two, six to zero. And then today, Wednesday's game, Brewers started out against a Nelson Lamette, who just has dominated the Brewers over the past two se- or past two starts he's made. Coming off of a Tommy John surgery, he left after two innings, striking out four batters. But Brewers were finally able to get the offense going in the fourth inning when on-base Jace... That's right. Jace Peterson, the man who just can do nothing but get on base, singles on a drive to left field, bringing in Omar Narvaez, and that tied it up after Trent Grisham had an RBI in the bottom of the third, bringing in Victor Caratini. 1-1 tied up. Padres bounced right back, getting getting a run on a ground out. And it was 2-1 Brewers up until the sixth inning when Keone Kila came in. Omar Narvaez, Travis Shaw's on base, rips a monster homer to right field. Narvaez just really doing a great job keeping anyone who had any questions, like making sure anyone who had any questions about him are quiet. And he gave the Brewers the 3-2 lead, followed up later on in the sixth inning, again by the Brewers' new best player, Jace Peterson, hitting a homer, making it 4-2. That would remain the score for the rest of the game. Got a little hairy in the ninth inning. Right after J.P. Fireisen got out of a monster jam in the eighth inning, Josh Hader came in, closed the door on the ninth, had runners second and third, two outs, full count with Eric Hosmer, struck him out on, went up the ladder, struck him out 96 miles an hour, and the Brewers completed the series sweep. Yeah, I think next to, like, sweeping the Padres, the biggest surprise of the series was, like, 
the players who helped contribute do it. Like two homers from Billy McKinney and a diving catch, two homers from Jace Peterson, three RBIs on the series. What is the deal with this, guys? Where did they come from? They, they were huge this series. Yeah, I mean, if you had told me that the Brewers were going to sweep the Padres without, or with Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, Colton Wong, all on the I.L., Luis Arias with a tweaked calf muscle, I would not have believed you. And especially if you had gone and told me that Billy McKinney, Jace Peterson were going to be the two duds of the series, like there was no way that I would have thought you were right at all. But here we are. I mean, the Brewers love depth and it's it's paying off early for them. Yeah, depth has been huge. And I know we all love our, our Facebook groups. I see a lot of people. I can't I can't always tell if it's sarcasm or not, but they're like, has Billy McKinney taken over Christian Yelich's spot in left field? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. But Not man, yet. did he have a great series? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. I mean, besides the catch last, I mean, Tuesday night, like that was easily catch of the year. I'm pretty sure that was number one on Sports Center this morning. But I mean, he had another nice catch today, saving a couple runs. I mean, he's he really, I mean, come out of nowhere to. I guess not out of nowhere, but he's really kind of made himself a solid player. I mean, he's kind of almost the Ben Gamble of this year. Right. McKinney was just tearing it up in spring training. And obviously Derek Fisher was hurt, which I think kind of opened the door for Billy McKinney to get that 40-man roster spot, stay here. But then, like, even this series, the Brewers have Tyrone Taylor up, and he hits just a mammoth home run into dead center. I think it was like 440 feet. He yeah. has two hits and a stolen base on the on this. It's like it gets kind of hard to choose. Like, what outfielder do you want? Obviously, McKinney doesn't have any options, and Tyrone Taylor does, which makes it a little easier. But production-wise, both of these guys have been phenomenal. I mean, it's always a good problem to have. I mean, having too many good players for them. I mean, having too, like too many players for a spot. But I definitely don't envy Craig Council and David Stearns when it comes to the roster decisions they have coming up with. Colton Wong coming off the IL, being activated Friday, and Yelich hopefully soon after. There are going to be some tough choices made. Yeah, it's going to be good to have Colton Wong back, but like you said, it's a tough decision to, like, who are you going to send down? So if you had to predict, who would you say it's going to be? Um, I mean, I feel I kind of want to say a pitcher, but also the Brewers are coming up on a long stretch. I believe it's 17 days, no, no off days. And so you're going to need arms. I mean, you know, the Brewers have never been afraid to shuttle arms up and down before. And it wouldn't surprise me if that happens again, but going into that stretch with a full bullpen is going to be key. So I'm, I almost feel like it's going to be either Robertson or Peterson. I could see the, I think Taylor is going to stick around until Yelich comes back. But I think once Yelich is back, I think Taylor goes down. Yeah, Daniel Robertson is just a guy I haven't figured out yet this year. I mean, yeah, sure, he's a great utility infielder, but he bats from the right side, which we all know, Council and Stearns, like their lefties more than their righties. He just seemingly isn't getting on base and being productive whatsoever. So uh, I would hate to give up on him, but at the same time, it's like, I really wouldn't be mad if he was gone. Yeah, I mean, he you know has no options left, so he'd have to be a DFA. He obviously has some potential in there, but it's not reflecting. I mean, he has a 2.9% walk rate, striking out almost a third of the time. 
Um, if, I mean, if you kind of buy into the early sample sizes, he's produced negative half a war uh, using Fangrass War for the Brewers. So he's been the least productive member of the Brewers offensively. I mean, I think that, unfortunately, he's probably the neck, like the one who's going to go down once Juan comes back. Yeah, I would have to agree with you at this point. It, that's kind of what all signs are pointing to. I think Jace Peterson has more than earned his keep to stay. It, it doesn't make sense to to let him go. Like you said, on-base Jace. That's that's just what he does. It's yeah. really a good nickname. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me how, but he's he draws walks. I mean, it's kind of like that scene in Moneyball when they're replacing Giambi and Damon. I mean, it's he gets on base. Speaking of on base, you just triggered something in my mind. I think it was you, too, who tweeted out Luis Urias' stats throughout oh. the season, and he's got like a 23% walk rate or something this year. Yeah, he. I mean, he is. he's accounted for over tw- like 20% of the walk, total walk brewers, which, you know, he started off slow, and I think you could argue he still is. His offense, his bat still hasn't woken up yet. I mean, he's hitting 175 with a 365 on base, which is, that's just mind-blowing difference. But, yeah, I mean, he is, he's recognizing pitches, I think. I mean, I think Vinny Rotino was talking about it on Brewers, on one of the pregame shows. But, you know, if you have a guy recognizing pitches like that, soon he's going to start hitting. And I'm looking forward to that with Urias. Yeah, it was really unfortunate that he what went out with calf cramps this series. Yeah, and even more unfortunate that it came against San Diego. Like, you yeah. want to see him do well against his former team, and then that just just gets ruined after he he cramped up on his home run trot. Right? Like, what are the yeah. odds of that? That's so crappy. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, it looked almost like he kind of tweaked it getting out of the box, but I know um, counsel to after the game said that uh, or after. The game tonight said that he is day to day. He was available to hit off the bench. Um, he actually did try to. They tried to do a fake out with a uh, suitor, send Urias out instead of suitor in the on deck. But yeah, I mean, hopefully he's back in the lineup because he's over his past six games he's been and he's been on a heck of a hot streak. All right. Yeah, I would love to see that offensive production keep coming through him because yeah, like you said, been seeing the ball really well. And so has Omar Narvaez so far this season. Not only off to just a tremendous start, he was great this series, 6-12, had a homer, a double, four RBIs. But this was also the first series of the year in which Narvaez and Pena did not split two games to one. So Pena did not start a game this series here. Going forward long term, would you like to see more of this? Or, or what are your thoughts on the catcher position? You know, the catching position is kind of an interesting spot for the Brewers. I mean, it's immense depth. I think you start Pena or Narvaez. I mean, I think Pena would be a starter on almost every other team he's on. But I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that plays out. I know Council, at least I know earlier in the week when actually we're talking about Vogelbach, he um, made some comments kind of that seemed to imply that the Brewers kind of have premeditated plans with the lineups. It's not playing the hot hand so that's kind of interesting I think it's gonna be interesting to kind of look at see what goes on with the catching I mean Narvaez is on fire right now he is the best offensive player the Brewers have I mean going off a of fan grass war 
as coming into coming into today, point nine WAR, I'd have to imagine with that home run with kind of his production today, he's got to be pushing close to getting to one WAR, which this early in the season is insane and. His defense is looking solid, too. I think there were some kind of concerns coming in. Just when he first came to the Brewers in 2019, he was viewed as kind of an offense-first, defensive-second catcher. 2020 came and flipped that on its head, and he's a he was a defensive-first, offensive-last. But this year, we're kind of seeing an interesting meld of best of both worlds with that. Right, yeah, I agree. And I, I find it really astonishing that the Brewers have not faced a left-handed starter this year. So obviously that plays a little bit into, you know, why Nervaez is getting more of the early opportunities, but he's absolutely making the most out of it. And defense has been much improved. In fact, today, what was it? He framed a pitch so hard. He oversold it so much. I think it was Jackson Profar who was up to plate that he got a called strike and Jace Tillner, the Padres manager, got ejected arguing that call. I thought that was the most ridiculous pitch framing job he's done, but normally he's so subtle about it, like he knows yeah. just perfectly how to do it. That one was a little ridiculous, but his defense and pitch framing needs to be recognized. Yeah, I mean, he is doing a great job on, I mean, I don't have like kind of the, the pitch framing numbers up, but I'm sure if you looked at them, you'd see... Lots of kind of borderline calls going the Brewers' way with him. I mean, he's – and like you said, he's subtle about it too. He's not – you know, I know Mitch Garver and Gary Sanchez kind of are in the new school catching where, like, the glove is on the ground almost, and then they bring it up. He doesn't do that as much, and, but he still frames really well. Yeah, I know last year he was up towards, like, the 90th percentile in pitch framing, and now as I pull up baseball spot as we're talking here, 96th percentile in pitch framing this year so far which absolutely crazy i'm glad he's finally putting the offense and the defense here together because he's got a chance to be a really special catcher if he keeps this up for sure oh 100 i mean he is could i think be a better catcher if he kind of continues on this directory i think he's going to be a better catcher than lucroy ever was yeah, and that's saying something. Obviously, as a is a really great Brewers catcher for yeah. many years, uh, Jonathan Lucroy there. All right, so let's move a little bit further here into our Padres recap here. Let's move into the segment I like to call Series MVP and Series Dud. So, which one would you rather start with, the MVP or the Series Dud? Um, I guess let's start with the dud. Let's get kind of the negatives out of the way and then uh, move on to the positives. All right. I'm going to let you go first. All the pressure's on you. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess for the series dud, it pains me to say this because he's on in a redemption season, but obviously Garcia really struggled this series. I mean, he got on base one time with the walk, nine strikeouts throughout the series, including five today, which is, I mean, it's, you know, three ga- three bad games. He's still actually there's kind of one of the more surprising stats is he's one of the top players in regards to hard hit percent speed. So he's in the I think he's one of four players in the 90th percentile for both. So you know, hopefully this was just kind of a three game stretch where he wasn't seeing it right or you know maybe jet lag. I'm hoping he'll uh, be a big bad again in Chicago this weekend. 
No, I hope so too. He's been so good this series or this year, like you've said, and I have to agree with you. That's my series dud as two is series dud as well. Excuse me. And I've had as my MVP a couple times so far this year, which, which is really saying something. I do want to point out a couple honorable mentions for this series. Um, JBJ was two of 14 with six strikeouts. He had came into the series with an eight game hitting streak. Had that snapped on the first day. Uh, obviously restarted it here then. Um, but then Keston Hira also gets an honorable mention for me. One of eight with four strikeouts. He did have, I believe he was charged with the air on that second game of the year or second game of the se- series. He was, it was a short hop thrown right at him and he failed to pick it. Um, and you, you it just kind of looks like maybe he's getting frustrated out there on both sides of the ball. Uh, obviously switching around a lot between first base, second base, and, and resting right now. But I, I just really would love to see his bat get going, and, and we're just not seeing it at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's – it's unfortunate. I mean, he has such high potential, but I think sometimes you're your own worst enemy. It might almost be in that case with Hira. I mean, hopefully he can continue working with Andy Haynes and get something going. But, yeah, it's, it's been uh, – the Brewers are missing his bat. Yeah, it's so true in baseball. Worst enemy is yourself, and lots of other batters have had success, you know, getting those early game workouts with Andy Haynes, so maybe Kesson here needs to work some of that magic as well. Mm-hmm. Let's switch over to some positives. How about series MVP? Who do you got? Oh, man. I'm going to not do the obvious one and pick, not going to pick anyone on the pitching staff. I'm going to go with Omar Narvaez. I mean, he... You know, we talked about him earlier. He's just been lights out. I mean, he came in homer, a double, drove in four runs a series, you know, hit, got six hits and 12 at-bats, only struck out once. He's just seeing the ball on a different level right now. He actually pulling up, striking out only in about 12% of his plate appearances, which is among one of the best in the league. And he's just really holding the team together, I think. I am very upset he didn't get a stolen base, but <laughs> you know, I'm I'm counting it as a stolen base for for him. Yeah, how many times do you see a friggin' umpire's interference? Like, what is that shit? Like, gosh dang it, that was so frustrating. Yeah, I yeah, I I don't even know. Like, I was kind of almost like half asleep, and I was like watching, and just did not comprehend what happened with that. <laughs> No, and and neither did Rock or oh god, I'm trying who was trying Lepay. to remember who was announcing it. LePay, yeah, they they showed the replay like six times before they before they finally figured it out. I mean, to their credit, I couldn't figure it out yeah. either. I was like, what? <laughs> Honestly, I think confused Rock might be the best Rock, where he just like he has no idea what what happened and he's just kind of throwing stuff out. Like, I think that might be one of, where we get some of the best Rockisms. <laughs> oh boy, rockisms. That's that's a good verb right there. Oh geez. Speaking of rock, um, I don't know if you are friends with Jack Stern on on Twitter, friend mm-hmm. of the podcast here. He's got some some pretty good bingo cards going out with rock. Have you been playing along at all? Um, I've not been playing along, but I've been watching them and I've been appreciating them as he puts them out. I mean, there are there are some great ones on there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have not got a bingo yet, which is which is really upsetting and actually kind of surprising more so than ever. What's the prize if you get a bingo? I don't know. I guess I should ask that. Hmm. 
There we go. Things to ponder. Yeah. Anyway, for me, for series MVP, I'm. This is probably the most torn I've been about a series MVP all year because I'm gonna go with a pitcher. So I think I'm gonna start near the bottom or my honorable mentions here. I think Josh Hader gets an honorable mention in this series. He had two saves. He was not the sharpest in either of his outings. Ends up for the series giving up a hit, two walks, strikes out three batters, but it got the job done. Got the Brewers some wins. I think J.P. Fireheising gets an honorable mention throughout the series. 1.2 innings pitch, two strikeouts, and a walk. Completely bailed Brad Boxberger out in the finale, who was in a bases-loaded jam. Then Boxberger got a strikeout looking, and then Fireheisen got the last two outs after that. Both via the strikeout, if I recall correctly. So that leads me to my last two candidates between Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. So Brandon Woodruff was in the duel with Joe Musgrove, which was a very highly anticipated matchup. Woodruff did go six innings, walked three batters, and struck out seven. Corbin Burns, on the other hand, was in a more so of a blowout type game. It was, you know, five to nothing throughout most of the time he was pitching. He went six innings, struck out ten batters, gave up four hits. So I think I talked myself into Brandon Woodruff for MVP this series just because the game was closer. He's going against a guy who threw a no-hitter this year, and Joe Musgrove's just been absolutely unreal. So I'm, I'm going to go with Brandon Woodruff. I think I'm pretty confident in that. Man, how great is it that we have have two of the best, like probably t- two of the top ten pitchers, and, you know, Woodruff almost gets kind of cast aside as kind of the forgotten ace we have. I mean, it's the Brewers are so stacked with pitching right now. It's, it's incredible. Uh, it's a good problem to have. Let me ask you your thoughts on this. I wrote about this after Brandon Woodruff was announced as the opening day starter. I thought, hey, you know, maybe there's a shot Corbin Burns could have got it because technically he was the ace of the staff last year in the shortened <laughs> season. If things keep going along how they are, who would you give the edge to as the opening day starter next year? Oh, man, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, you know, Woodruff has the streak going, but I also don't know if it's possible to not give the opening day spot to your Cy Young Award winner. Like, it's... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's you know I'm just gonna say I'm glad I'm not the one writing the lineup cards in on that because <laughs> you make compelling cases for both of those guys too. Yeah, you absolutely can. Uh, does it really matter in the end? I don't know. If you believe in curses, maybe it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. they're both probably gonna make around the same amount of starts, injury pending year to year as we keep going along. So opening day isn't too important, but. It is a, a quite the quite the honor for to, for a pitcher to receive from his manager. So that'll be something to monitor and probably debate about all winter. As you know, hopefully both these guys are still young candidates as the yeah. season goes along. I mean, Woodruff is quietly putting together. I mean, he's quietly on pace for a seven and a half win season using the kind of the current WAR estimates, assuming he kind of keeps on his track and makes about thirty starts. Like that's nothing to sneeze at at all. Burns is, you know, flying higher. He's, if he makes 30 starts at this current pace, it's going to be about 10 and a half wins above replacement. But I think you're going to kind of see more of a leveling out. And I think you're almost going to kind of diverge together, which is two headed monster. And then you have the emerging ace, Freddie Peralta behind them. 
Yeah, don't get don't get me started on Freddie. Let's let's not go down <laughs> that track. I want to stay on Burns and Woodruff for the moment because, you know, or Corbin Burns has a like what a point three seven ERA this year. Yeah, and Brandon Woodruff is four times more at one point nine six, which in itself is saying something. And I, I was doing some research because I, I, Woodruff is my MVP. I want to talk about him here a little bit. He he's using the curveball a lot more this year in 45 pitches he's actually thrown more curveballs and sliders which i think is really strange to think about and he hasn't given up a single hit off the curveball as well and he's throwing all of his pitches for strikes like last year we thought he always got kind of stuck in the middle innings or the second and third times through the lineups wasn't able to put hitters away his pitch count kept going up and this year he's just saying dude i got stuff you can't touch i'm just going to keep throwing it for strikes and I, I love that mentality. It's been great to see so far. All right. Well, hopefully both of those pitchers can keep it up. As you mentioned earlier, we have a big stretch of games coming up. 17 games in 17 days. We have the off day on Thursday and then three games set against the Cubs, which will be the last time we see them in quite a while. Over these 17 games here, we have six of them against the Marlins, so lots of Jesus Aguilar coming up for those of you who are still fans of him. (laughs) Uh, But for the Cubs series, Friday, it's a 120 game, which absolutely sucks. In fact, actually, all three games are at 120. But Friday will be Anderson versus Hendricks, assuming he's healthy or recovered from his, you know, random sickness or whatever happened last time he was supposed to start against us. Saturday will be Peralta versus... I have to be determined. I don't know if the Cubs have announced a starter yet for that game. I thought they said it was Albert Elzley. Sorry, oh, Elzley again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's he's a new Quintana. Oh, God. That'll be Peralta and Elzley's third time matching up this year. That's insane. Wow. It's, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, and then uh, Sunday will be Woodruff in Ariada. So, like you said, we'll have Colton Wong back. He's expected to be activated this Friday. That'll obviously be a big boost. The Cubs, since the last time we saw him, lost two out of three games against the Braves. They're currently playing the Mets. I guess I didn't check if they played yet today or not, but they do have a game on Thursday. So what are you looking for in this Cubs series coming up here? I honestly am looking to see what the – I mean, temp, like how the tempers are. I mean, you got really a uh, Bush league last time. I mean, Ryan Terpera, MVP hitter Ryan Terpera. Just want to give him some proper respect. Buzzing 96 pass behind Woodruff. Like that's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, especially Woodruff lined up for the Sunday matinee. It'll be interesting. I'm guessing we're going to see Wilson Contreras lean into some more pitches. It'll be It'll be interesting, especially, I mean, down in Chicago, the fans are kind of raucous. It'll be interesting to see kind of if cooler heads prevail or not, or if this is the series where bench is clear. Oh, gosh. You know, last year when bench is cleared, everyone's like, oh, COVID, you can't do that. And this, I feel like you're right. It's going to happen this series. Yeah. What happened, was it Tepera got suspended after last series for pitching yeah. behind Woodruff? And then, like, his first game back, how did that series go, sequence go? It was like he hit a batter, and then he, like, gave up a three-run homer or something like that? Or am I – it was something like that. Um, I don't know the exact sequence. I know uh, 
the end line was two hit batters and the grand slam he gave up to the Braves. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah. MVP go get getter. Jeez. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, tempers will be one thing definitely to monitor in this series. I think because it's going to be in Chicago, I think Colton Wong is actually going to be worth monitoring. Like did the Brewers rush him back quick? I, I think the <laughs> weather's supposed to be a little bit more on the promising side this weekend. You know, maybe it'll get up to sixty, but that's still not ideal baseball weather from a guy who's recovering from an oblique injury. Yeah. So I'm nervous. I'm going to tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of the the amount of he plays is going to be interesting to monitor. I mean, I'd hope, you know, Council, I guess Council and Stearns have been very kind of conservative as it stands right now. I mean, Yelich, the IL, players, like they've been very kind of conservative in preserving the players. Just, I mean the ramp up from 60 to 162. So I think it'll be interesting to see if Wong starts two games. I really doubt he's going to start all three. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment for sure. So either way, it's going to be a very heated series. Should be very entertaining to say the least. But that is going to wrap us up here for today. Again, Josh, I would like to thank you for coming on. Second appearance here. It was a joy just as it, as it was the first time. Before we get out of here, can you remind our my listeners where we can find you on Twitter and where we can find the writing that you do? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Waldock. That's W-A-L-D-O-C-H. Um, I am pumping up Luis Arias stock right now. I'm very bullish on him. So, you know, if you're a fan of that, make sure to drop a follow. You can also read my writing at Wisconsin Sports Heroics and Reviewing the Brew. And heck, follow me on Instagram. I'm posting some uh, graphs now, trying to jump up the Instagram game. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that will – I will further consider getting an Instagram just for you. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I just use it to post store, like graphs from Baseball Savant of Corbin Burns and tag them in it and try to get it to view it. <laughs> what about TikTok? Are you TikToking yet? Oh, no, not yet. No, me either. But once I learn how to animate graphs on R, I'm gonna I'll make some TikToks of Burns' spin rate. Let me tell my wife got a TikTok last week and my IQ has literally dropped over the last week. So I do yeah. not recommend it. <laughs> I know my uh my brother ha- my brother has it and I just walked past his room and it'll be uh I'll hear some sounds and it's you know to each their own you know normally in a normal situation when you hear sounds coming from your brother's room you think the nastiest situation (laughs) yeah but this one is just like hearing lots of sheeshes like (laughs) and i'm just you know i'm 21 i'm just too old to commit to that to looking up (laughs) what it is so i'm just gonna live in a state of ignorance (laughs) oh geez all right, well, we're going to end it on that <laughs> note. I don't know how we got on that topic, but oh, funny end to the podcast here. I will be back to recap the Cubs series. We'll have a podcast coming out on Monday the 26th to go over all that action. Make sure you are subscribing to the podcast, following, reviewing the Brew Wisconsin Sports Heroics, Josh and myself. And until next time, I will talk to you later, Brewer fans. <laughs>